morning, everyone. Lovely to to be with you. Lovely to share this morning with you, and uh, it's lovely to be able to share our worship together. We're going to worship together. We're going to spend some time in silence together. We're going to make noise. We're going to be quiet. We're going to contemplate. We're going to speak. We're going to listen. But in everything, God will be glorified and Jesus will be lifted up. That really is what I want us to think about um, and to, to concentrate on. Is what we're doing lifting Jesus up? Now, I, I read a, uh, an article in, in Christianity magazine about preaching. And one of the things that, that they said was that in your preaching is Jesus elevated. And today Mike is giving our words of exhortation and, and he's going to be speaking about those wonderful words of uh, in, in John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world. And so think about that now. Think about John 3.16. I'm not going to take anything away from what, what Mike says. But maybe... Um, in, in, our, in our service, we, we know those words very well. If you could have them in your mind. In fact, let me just read them to you now. Just so that we can start our service with him uppermost in our thoughts. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We're going to worship God now through three praise the Lords. Um, The first, number 49, I wait in your sanctuary. We come here uh, to to church this morning, and I'm sorry I kept you waiting. Um, I kept you waiting by uh, starting five minutes late. But that's not what we mean here, I wait in your sanctuary. It's It's a sense of anticipation, anticipation. Of, uh, of what God will reveal to us. The next one we're going to sing, 285, is we bow down and confess. Now, whether we want to literally bow down or whether we want to bow down in our spirit, um, it's up to you. And finally, I will worship you, Lord, with all of my heart, number 52. So we're going to sing these together. So uh, let's start with, I wait in your sanctuary. Let's pray together. Lord God, we come with words on our lips of praise. But Lord, we... We know that words on our lips are nothing if there is no worship in our hearts. And worship in our hearts is nothing if there is no worship in our lives. Lord, we pray that you will fill us with your love so that we will be filled with worship for you. In the words that we speak, in the songs that we sing, in the thoughts that we harbour, and the, the thoughts that we allow to take root in our lives. And Lord, in the actions of our day-to-day life, not just when we're here but when we're on our own with others who don't share our faith. Lord, I pray that this worship now will stay with us. And this is our declaration of intent that you will fill us in all our lives, in every part of our life. Lord, we pray for your blessing on our service now. And we pray that you'll be with each of us as we, as each of us participates in this service. Lord, we, we want you to, to change us by being here this morning. 
that we'll be more like you and that we will understand more about your, your love for us. Fill us, we pray. Bless us, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, good morning, everyone. A big warm welcome to our visitors this morning. I've seen Phoebe, I've seen Sim and Steph, I've seen Amber. I think that's it. Hopefully that's it. If I've missed anyone, I do apologise, but you're all very welcome here this morning to worship with us. And we pray for uh, a blessing uh, on our, our activities today and in the coming week. Thank you. One, uh, I'll, I'll give you the care news in a, in a moment, but before we do that, I'd like uh, to welcome James as a member of Old Trafford. And in time on fashion, James, would you like to come out? Um, for those of you who haven't been here on, uh, on a Sunday when we've, we've welcomed someone as a, as a member, what we, what we normally like to do is rather than just sort of add them, add them to, our, uh, add them to our, our list, if you like, and just uh, add them to rotors and that sort of thing, we want to, want to welcome them formally and, to, uh, and we'd like to welcome James formally. And we have a, a, a kind of a form of words which... Um, I didn't manage to print off, but I've got them on my phone, so that's the reason I'm playing with my phone. It's not Angry Birds or something like that. I just want you to know that. Um, so <clears throat> what, uh, what, what I want you to do is I'm going to ask James to, um, to, 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 well, to ask James some questions, and I'm going to ask you very similar questions, and I want you to both to, to respond. So we're going to welcome, formally welcome James uh, into membership at Old Trafford. Um, we're entering into a relationship with him, and we're going to make a promise, a covenant, to work together to build this church to the glory of God. That's, that, that's what this is all about. It's not about uh, just uh, adding more numbers to our rota, but it's, it's about working together to glorify God. So um, we want to work with him to encourage each other and to serve those outside the church, that uh, we, we might encourage one another in our love for God. So um, would everyone stand? James, do you commit yourself to loving and serving the Lord within this church uh, and in the, within this church family and within the world? Yes, you do. Excellent. Uh, and as part of this family here, do you promise to love, encourage, strengthen, guide, pray for, and care for the family at the Bethel to the best of your ability and in God's strength? Yes, I do. Excellent. That's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, all of you guys, do you welcome James into the family of Christ here at the Bethel? You can do it louder on the next one, okay. Do you promise to love, encourage, strengthen, guide, pray for and care for James as your brother uh, in, in the family of Christ at the Bethel and to serve the Lord together with him to the best of your ability and in God's strength? Yes! Excellent. That was the right answer as well. Um, we're, we're going to pray for James now, so, uh, so let, let's, let's pray together. Lord God, I do thank you for, uh, for James and for the blessing that he brings to us. Lord, we pray for your strength on him to serve you uh, to the best of his ability and in your strength. And Lord, I pray for us that you will encourage us and support us to the best of our ability and in your strength to be the best brothers and sisters we can to James, to support him and to love him as, as you love him. Lord, as we work together, we pray that, that we might be one in purpose to lift you up and to glorify you. Lord, we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to, I'm just going to read you the care news as well that Elaine has sent through.
Um, again, this is all part of the same thing. We've welcomed James as a new member into our church family here. And I'm going to just give you some news about, about other members of our church family. Um, Steve Proven is doing okay. Um, Elaine asks... Uh, says it would be great if someone could go and break bread with him today. Mark has a bag of clothes that needs to be taken to Steve. So if you if you plan to see him, please uh, please go and see please see Mark first. Mark will be down here at lunchtime, I think. Um, so uh, I, I don't. I think if you liaise with Mark about about uh, breaking bread with Steve, uh, Steve is uh, on the flat on his own in the flat on his own uh, this week, which would make doing a breaking of bread easier. Um, Patricia seems much better at the moment and was able to get to Bible class this week, as uh, uh, did Juan Pablo. So it's good to see that, uh, that Juan Pablo, you, you're, 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 your eyes are a bit better, is that right? Well, no, that's, 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 that's great to hear. Andrew's been in touch with Haley this week, and um, she's not very well at the moment. Uh, and we understand that she's had to spend uh, a couple of days in Moorside uh, Hospital, the, the psychiatric unit there. Um, so she has to have uh, uh, daily intensive counselling. Um, she may be at coffee morning on Tuesday, but she sends her love to everyone uh, at the Bethel, and she says that she misses them, misses us loads. Um, we remember her in our prayers. And uh, Andrew, I think, will be taking a gift to her. Yeah. Is there anything else that... Okay. Uh, we remember all those members who really struggled to meet with us. Um, and you know, we think particularly of Gladys and, and Ian and Marion, and we pray for God's loving arm to be round them. Let's, uh, so is there anything else that anyone would like to raise? Any, any other pastoral items that, uh, that you'd like us to pray about now? Lord God, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray for. Lord, you know what's in our hearts and you know what's in the the hearts and the minds of all all of us all our, our brothers and sisters those that that we that we see regularly and those that we don't lord we we know that you know what is best for them father it's particularly difficult where people suffer mental distress because it's so hard to know how to how to reach out, and we think about about Haley and about Simon, and we pray, Lord, that that you will calm them, and that you will give them peace, and that you will speak words of love into their hearts. Lord, we pray for those that are physically unwell. And you know, we think about uh, about Liz's mum, and we pray that you again will give her peace, and give her strength, and give her courage to face her illness. And Lord, we pray for one Pablo, that you will strengthen him too, and help him to cope with. The, the, the partial and loss of his sight. And we pray, Lord, that, that you will give the medical staff the skill and the, the insight that they need to, to restore his sight. Lord, there are so many things that we could pray for. And Lord, I ask that you will hear our own prayers for all the things that we bring before you. Lord, bless us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing now. I particularly was thinking about James when, uh, when I chose this, this song. Brother, sister, let me serve you. Let me be as Christ to you.
I was thinking about us serving James, and I was thinking about James being part of the a part of our family and and us serving each other. So let's sing together. I'm going to take a couple of readings this morning. I'm going to take a couple of readings. The first is from uh, One Chronicles chapter eleven, and it's uh, it's the story about. Uh, David becoming king, and it talks about his conquest of Jerusalem, and it talks about his mighty men, his, his warriors who did great heroic deeds. The second reading is the reading that Mike's asked us to take this morning, which is John chapter 3. And uh, compare and contrast. You know, one is a, 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 about a very physical conquest and the other is about what the son of David came to achieve so Sheila is going to read to us uh, 1 Chronicles sorry, 1 Chronicles chapter 11 verses 1 to 26 I gave her special permission not to read the names at the end of the chapter and Tony's going to read us uh, John chapter 3 verses uh, 1 to 21 1 Chronicles chapter 11 to verse 25, end of verse 25. All Israel came together to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, even while Saul was king, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord your God said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, he made a, contact, a compact, compact with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel, as the Lord had promised through Samuel. David and all the Israelites marched to Jerusalem, that is Jabus. The Jebusites who lived there said to David, You will not get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. David had said, whoever leads the attack on the Jebusites will become commander-in-chief. Joab, son of Zeruiah, went up first, and so he received the command. David then took up residence in the fortress, fortress, and so it was called the city of David. He built up the city around it with the supporting terraces to the surrounding wall, while Joab restored the city, rest of the city. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord Almighty was with him. These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. They, together with all, the, all Israel, gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land as the Lord had promised. This is the list of David's mighty men. Jashabim, a Hakmonite, was chief of the officers. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dode, the Ahohite, one of three mighty men. He was with David at Pasdamim when the Philistines gathered there for battle. At a place where there was a field full of barley, the troops fled from the Philistines. But they took their stand in the middle of the field. They defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Three of the thirty chiefs came down to David to the rock at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. God forbid that I should do this, he said. Should I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? 
Because they risked their lives to bring it back, David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty men. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. He was doubly honored above the three and became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who was seven and a half feet tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benai, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty men. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. John chapter 3, the the first 21 verses. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light. Because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Mike, please come and speak to us. Morning. 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 
going to talk to you about one verse this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is one of the most frequently thought about and especially I'm really grateful here uh, most often used passages, verses in the Bible because it tells us about the core, the important bit of what we're told about in the Bible. Four. God. This verse is talking just about God. It's not talking about people. It's not even telling us anything, actually. Not a lot about the character of Jesus. It's focusing on God. It's telling us about his aim, his purpose, his character, and his emotions. God so loved This isn't telling us about God's feeling, about the duty that he has to fulfill, a need that he has to do. It's not about a bit of fondness. It's not about um, some obligated affection. It's not even about some restricted level of love. It doesn't even just say God loved. It says God so loved This is John explaining to us the intensity of the love that God has for us. God so loved the world. So, what's this talking about? Is it talking about our planet? Is it talking about um, the sky, the mountains, the ocean? Maybe. Just in case it wasn't clear, though, uh, that little, what it is talking about, what he loves, is sort of said twice. Um, It says, God so loved the world, whoever. That's what it's talking about. Anyone, whoever in the world, that's what it's talking about. Just to make sure you notice. The world, whoever. It's trying to tell us about the outreach of God's love. It's not just merely for 90% even of human beings. Not even just for 99.99999% the world, 100%. This is actually so hard for us to properly understand and feel what this is about. So far from us. Loving really loving, so loving, so many. Here's something for you to think about. Imagine your parent of one child, and then you have another child. Does your love, the, you understand for that first child, does your love get put to 50% and split between the two? God so loved the world. He so loves every individual. There's no thinking about nationality, culture, background, all included. The world. No caring about age. Aged five, aged 105, loved by God. No ignoring anyone below certain lower levels of intelligence. Not even ignoring people above certain higher levels of arrogance. There is not even any exclusion of people who are ridiculously evil. Criminal, unpleasant, immoral. Think of the nastiest person you've ever met. Think of the most evil person you've learnt about from all the history of the world. 
included in God's list of people he so loved. Even you are included. He even loves me. So loves all of us, the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There are some hard to understand bits about this giving. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he's talking about this. Um, He talks about that we see it, or the seeing of this, as foolishness. It's almost the default human way of looking at this. Um, This is what it says uh, in the first letter of the Corinthians. For since the wisdom of God... uh, Since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. To me, in some ways, this does seem like extreme foolishness. Almost. I I definitely can imagine the first time someone picks this up, it seems crazy. I I have spoken to at least two people who have, the first time they've learned about God letting his own son die, just didn't, they couldn't understand, they just couldn't understand it. It didn't seem logical. Just got a little example um, completely different example of something being done in love. Okay, so uh, someone uh, sees a friend drowning uh, in some treacherous kind of water, and because they love them, they jump and in, risk their own life to save their friend from drowning. Okay, so in that example, there's two things you can grasp first thing you can grasp is something very obvious, um, something that was directly achieved. Uh, the friend was saved from drowning. That was what directly achieved. The other thing, uh, which you can believe, you can believe they were saved because they loved their friend. You can believe that. And looking at the death of Jesus, we see both of those things. We see something directly believed um, directly achieved and something we can believe or do we there is nothing directly achieved that's why it looks so foolish by default there is no direct achievement but there definitely is something you can believe got another example um okay so someone uh, gives a very expensive gift uh, to someone else to, sh- to show them their love but there possibly could um be some suspicions you know why, why have they given that um, people looking at that might think, oh, it's just because a gift was expected. You know, it's just a default thing that's from externally expected. Or they just um, they just want to un- uh, ign- uh, avoid ignoring the person who was supposed to have a gift. Or maybe they're trying to impress them. Um, or maybe it's their birthday like the next month afterwards and they want to have a good one, in, you know, a good one coming back. Uh, or maybe it's just competition or... Maybe it's just all these people who see this gift that has been given. They'll think, oh, they'll think I'm good, won't they? Um, anyway, perhaps it looks like a really expensive gift, but maybe this person is just so wealthy, it's actually relatively nothing. Although what someone has done might have love inside, sometimes other people looking from the outside find it hard to completely, genuinely see and feel it. Imagine 
how much more the case is for God or for someone far away in, and later on in time. If God had chosen a different way than the way he has to communicate his love to us, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as clear as what he has done. And in what God has done, he can't have any possible suspicions. I can see no possible expression of anger, of pride, or of revenge. No desire to win respect and honor. No desire to impress people. No competition with anyone. No wanting to take control. No desire to be powerful and overrun human beings. To stop them doing what they want to do themselves. And even though God is so wealthy, infinitely wealthy, this is an incredibly high cost. It's either a crazy random choice from some random being with no intelligence or no emotions, or it's due to pure extreme love. Thinking about this, just thinking about my experience of love, about the precious life of my daughter, just mentioning this feels extreme, ridiculously extreme to think about this. And I'm sure it's actually a shadow of God's love. I think this is what God decided, what God realized, how to communicate clearly to everyone the single most important bit of information he wanted to tell us, that he so loved (coughs) us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, Hang on a minute. Whoever believes in him, are we missing something? Whoever believes in him and something, surely. Um, Whoever believes in him and does something in response, surely. Whoever believes in him and at least attends two weeks a month uh, to church services. Whoever believes in him and has some minimum level of conduct, surely. Whoever believes in him and somehow manages to earn respect to some level from other people. It says, whoever believes in him and nothing shall not perish. Is that saying it's for free? All you have to do is believe? It's the most valuable thing, actually, in the world, and we don't have to earn it. Well, we can see the answer to this by looking uh, at what actually started John explaining this to us from earlier on in chapter 3. So Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, a very religious person, about the core important things um, you need to do to come to the kingdom of God. And Jesus finishes off saying this um, in verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes may have eternal life. Oh, so same again. Just says, you just have to believe, that's it. Oh, hang on a minute. So he's talking about something from uh, Moses. Moses left in in the wilderness. Okay, let's go and have a look at that then. So Numbers chapter 21, verse 8. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it up on a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. So these people were given a very simple choice. It's interesting. God wants to save them, but they have a little part to play. They have to do something. Um, Very small thing. They just have to look at it. That's it. If they simply listen to God and believe what he's told them to do, this ridiculously simple thing, look, they are saved. 
something interesting in this example. I don't know what you think about this. something for you to think about. Um, this example, I wonder if these people believed or they were told, um, look at it and live, and they thought, hmm, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. Is that possible to look at it and live? I don't know. Well, you have to, only have to look at it. Let's give it a try. Let's give it a test. Go on, let's look at it. Okay. So that's an interesting thought, isn't it? They don't have to 100% believe in that case they, if they looked at it that was it saved it's an idea for you to think about so for us to be saved the same applies this is the reason why something was lifted up so we don't ignore god's love for us instead we see it and we believe it God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's not just about the fact that we shall not perish, I think. It's more important just the fact that you won't die or that you won't stay dead. We'll have eternal life. I think this is talking about Life in a different mode. Life next to someone whose life is eternal. Life next close to God. But can I also draw your attention to what I don't think this means? I think this is, I've, I've felt this common, commonly being misinterpreted. Um, it doesn't mean Uh, We change our life first, have to manually put it into eternal mode, and then eventually get saved. You know, having earned being saved as a result uh, of changing our lives. It's the opposite. First, we just believe in God's love for us. Second, God has saved us. Done. Third, finally... As a result of us feeling God's love and understanding we've actually been saved, our life starts to change. Father God, our life begins moving closer to you. We start to experience humility. And our admiration and respect for you grows, Father. We are full of gratefulness for so many things. We want to be more open to you. We have inside us a deep longing for the future, the living with you forever bit. And Father God, I'm sorry you had to do it this way. But thank you that you have shown amazing love for us. I'm just going to read to you. The last thing, verse from Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thanks, Mike. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. We're going to offer our thanks for the bread through Neil. Father, It's actually really difficult to think about what you've done in allowing your son to be to be raised up on a cross for the world and not to be moved and not to at least have a, a glimmer of the love that you must have for us. But it's also difficult to understand the depth of that love and to understand 
why you would do that for us. But we thank you, Father, that you have done that for us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to do that for us, that we might be your brothers and sisters. And you know so well, in that even though what's been done was so profound and and massive, we still forget. So we thank you for this little meal, this this little reminder that you've asked us to do, and we thank you for this bread that reminds us now, Lord Jesus, of of what you've done for us. Reminds us that. We just have to believe in you. And we can dwell with you forever. And Lord Jesus, we want to lift you up now. We want to lift you up in glory and give you our thanks and our honour and our praise. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. John's going to offer our thanks for the cup. Dear Holy Father, We come, as we've said, to say thank you. But as Mike has indicated, I I don't know how to say thank you. We say thank you. But that can mean an awful lot, and that can mean very little sometimes. And I know it's our lives that you want us to show our thanks to you, but... The trouble too, Father, is that we don't almost know what we're thanking you for. Mike described love to us. Your word describes love to us, but I'm not sure that we've really got a grasp on that. We really understand. How can we understand, Father? How can we understand you and your love? But thank you, Father, that you sent Jesus, your lovely son. Lord Jesus, help us to look up at the cross and to see God on the cross with you and in you. That's what we've got to look at. Father, we've got to see you there. Lord Jesus, you came to show us God, to show us your Father in everything you did, in everything, in the cross as well. And we've got to look up at that cross and see God, Father, you giving of yourself everything. And you, Lord Jesus, showing us your Father. Lord, thank you. I don't know what the words mean. I don't know how to say them, but thank you, Lord. I know too, Father, that seeing you, knowing you, is eternal life. That's what it's about. And Lord Jesus, the other thing I know that you did when you came and you have you are still doing it, is that you bring people together. That's the point, isn't it? You bring people together in you to be children of your Father. Help us to be aware of each other and to value each other as we should and to serve each other and to show you to each other in us. Lord, thank you for this wine. It's just a reminder, it's just to help us to stop and look and think. Help us to look 
and see you, Father, and you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I pray that we won't need to celebrate Jesus' presence in bread and wine for very much longer. I pray that we will celebrate with him in person. The bread and the wine leads us to Jesus. And I pray that in this coming week we will be strengthened to be the means by which other people are led to Jesus as well. Let's close our service with a hymn and a prayer. Andrew's going to close in prayer for us, but we're going to sing together from Praise the Lord number 27, from the sun's rising and to the sun's setting. Now, it's an interesting uh, image, isn't it? From the sun's rising to the sun's setting, there's, a, there's the morning and the evening, but there's also the east and the west, so it's geography and it's time. All our time, all our geography... Um, Jesus should be Lord, um, our Lord, and we pray that that day will come soon when everyone else will be aware of that as well. Let's sing together. Lord God, our Father, we do thank you for bringing us here this morning together, for bringing us as members of your church, of your family, to remember all your love. And those few words mean so much as we've been thinking. Help us to think too, Lord, of the banner that is over us. The banner over us is your love. And help us to think about lifting you up in our lives as we go out into this coming week. Just as you lift us up and hold us to you as your family, as your sons and daughters. Lord, we all face different circumstances and situations in our lives, but help us, Lord, to lift you up this week in each one of them, whether it's difficulty or problems at home or at work or happiness and rejoicing. We pray, Lord, you'll help us to remember your love over us and to lift you up. So that not only us will be drawn together, but too, Lord, those around us in this world which need you so much, might through the way we live and proclaim you, be drawn to you in love and thankfulness. And thank you, Lord, for the hope you give us. In Jesus' name, amen.